Well, good morning, y'all. Uh, believe it or not, it was two years ago that we, as a church, came together to make our commitment to the Believe campaign. And um, if you're visiting with us this morning, your uh, suspicions were right. It's another stinking church talking about money. Uh, but don't worry, we're not going to ask you for any of it. Um, but just to explain it, the Believe campaign was something that we did uh, two years ago. And we who call this our church home made a three-year commitment to do some really, really sexy stuff like refinance the mortgage and um, um, do a new parking lot because our parking lot was in violation with the city of Elgin and bring a police detail in That's to get us sexy. out. <laughs> it's sexy right there. Bring a police detail in to get us out on Route 20 so we could all get home for dinner. Um, but if you know Westridge at all, you know that uh, we don't ask for money and we're not very good at it when we do. Uh, primarily because we really believe that it's something that's done between you and God, right? It's something that um, is born out of our relationship with God, and it's something that we do that shouldn't involve, like, the church guilting you or pressuring you um, to do something that you don't want to do. It's really born out of a sense of gratitude for what God has, has done for you. And, and the incredible thing uh, that God did in this Believe campaign was, I mean, we completely blew away any kind of lightweight goal that we made and there was almost 200 families that committed to give over a million dollars over a three-year period, of which we are in year two. And by the end of this next year, we will have uh, not only succeeded at you know, doing a very expensive parking lot, according to city code, um, but also um, just putting the church in a financially strong position so that you know, in the years to come, we don't have to worry about uh, those kinds of things, and I really believe that it was as a result of of everybody just who was involved um, responding out of the grace of God, right? I mean, really responding out of a sense of gratitude rather than obligation, and when that happens, it changes everything. It changes the complexion of everything, and then just to have a church like this, like Westridge, which is a complete gift from God uh, to all of us, I think, you know, people were really responsive about that, and so, you know, Jesus talks about this kind of thing. I mean, he, he does this Sermon on the Mount where he lays out kind of the core values of the Christian faith in uh, the early Gospel of, of Matthew. And in Matthew 6, he starts, he, he deals with the issue of money. And he says this, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Jesus begins by saying, look, don't, don't store up for yourselves treasures on this earth. And that phrase has the idea of investment. He's saying don't invest in the stuff of this world, but rather invest in the stuff of God. Now, do you think that he's saying, you know, don't invest money in your 401k or your kid's college fund? No, I don't think any of that. In fact, the 
Bible talks about being you know, wise in the way that we deal with money and being prepared for the future. The real question, I think, is one that is much bigger than that, right? It's, what are you investing your life in? Are you investing your life in the stuff that is temporary and that will not last? Or are you investing yourself in the stuff that will last beyond our grave? Because whatever it is that we're invested in, it's there. You'll find our heart. It would be a incredible thing if we could take all of the beautiful moments of life and package them up and make them last, but life is so fleeting. There is a, uh, a metaphor that many of you know that I like to use from the business world, uh, and that is the idea of having some skin in the game. As you know, I'm just a volunteer here, so I don't take any money for what I do here at the church, and my paying job is that I'm an owner in a real estate investment company, and part of my duty as uh, an owner of the company is that I go out and spend a lot of time on the road raising money from uh, large investment firms to invest in some of our real estate uh, transactions, and so if you ever see me in a suit and it's not a wedding or a funeral, odds are good I'm asking for money that day trying to make myself look like I actually know what I'm talking about. Uh, So typically that means I'll fly to New York or Boston or LA, I'll go into the boardroom of some investment firm, I'll be completely outnumbered, there'll be eight or ten investment managers in the room and I'll give a presentation to their team about some venture that we're doing at that particular time. And I've done it a hundred times and enough to know that there will come a point in that meeting. There will, and I can almost predict uh, the precise moment at this point in my life, uh, when the, one of the team members, and usually the youngest one, will pipe up and they'll ask the same question every time. They'll say, well, Darren, do you have any skin in the game? In other words, how much of my own money am I investing in the deal? You say this is such a great deal, so put your money where your mouth is, right? Now, why do you think they asked me that? Do you think it's because somehow they can't afford to put up all the money and they need my investment to kind of round off their investment to make it all up? Heck no. I mean, most of these firms are worth and have billions of dollars to invest. Um, And to be honest, they don't even really care about the dollar amount that I'm putting in compared to theirs, because at the end of the day, really, there is no comparison. It's like pennies compared to theirs. They just want to know that I am putting in an amount that is meaningful to me, so that if I lost it, it would hurt. I'd feel it. Because they know that if I have a significant amount of my own money in it, then my heart is going to be in that project and I will work twice as hard to make sure that that is a successful project. Well, believe it or not, the same thing holds true in your relationship with God. The more skin you have in it, 
the more of yourself you have invested in your faith, the more time and money you have invested in your church, the skin that you have in building relationships and helping to support other people, the more invested you become, the more you want to be a part of it. The more you give a rip about it. The more you miss it when it's gone. The more you want to see God doing incredible things in this place because you're invested in it. So when Jesus says, don't invest for yourself in the treasures of this world. Instead, invest in the stuff of God. He's saying, get some skin in the game. Do you think, really, that God cares about the amount of money that you put in the offering bag? Do you think that he somehow has a calculator every time that you write your tithe checked and making sure that it's exactly 10% of your income? Do you think that he cares about the amount that you're contributing to the Believe campaign? No. Do you think that God somehow needs your money in order to get stuff done? I think he's got it covered. The Bible teaches that the amount that we give is absolutely meaningless to God. He just cares that the amount that we give is meaningful to you. You may remember when Jesus was standing with a couple of the disciples in the temple and they were watching all of these rich people going forward to give their big offerings and and throw them into the coffers in front of God and everybody. And then quietly this little old widow steps up and gives these two pennies and throws them into the offering. And Jesus said, that, (laughs) that is what giving is about. She has given more than all of these other people because they didn't give, these people gave out of their great wealth, but she gave all that she had because of her gratitude for what God has done for her. The amount that we give is meaningless to God. He just cares that the amount that we give is meaningful to you. He cares that the amount that we give stretches you, challenges you, and causes you to grow in your faith. So ask yourself, is the amount that I give, is it a meaningful amount of money to the point that I can feel the impact of it when it's gone? And I can tell you that it doesn't really get any easier. This last week, Shelby and I wrote a big check to Westridge as part of our offering. And I have to tell you, you know, I had kind of the sticky finger syndrome where it was hard to let go of that check, because you go, man, I could do so much with that money, right? And we're so entrenched in, you know, being financially secure and being able to grow that, and you go, man, I could do so much with that. But to let that go is part of the practice of what Jesus is talking about. It's letting go of the stuff of this world. And I think the reason God cares so much that we give in a meaningful way can be found when you read down a couple of verses still in the Sermon on the Mount where in Matthew 6, Jesus says, look, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or 
you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, before you blow that off and say, come on, Darren, I'm not like a a slave to money or somehow have an addiction to making money. It's not like that. Uh, I'm just trying to build for my future and have a little something for my family. And I don't think it's about any of that. I think it's, again, that bigger question when Jesus says, where's your heart? Do you have any real skin in this thing? Because what his point is, is you can't have a divided heart and be an authentic follower of Jesus. He's saying, I don't want to be just one thing out of the many things in your life. I want to be your everything. I don't want to be just your Sunday morning thing. I want to be 24-7. I want you to be all in. Because if you're fully invested over here and you're just trying to build for your future and your career and doing your thing, then you can't be fully invested over here trying to build your faith. There's a divided heart. I had a very, very close friend and business partner whom I love um, who got cancer at the age of 74. And he was in great health. He worked out every day. He was vibrant. And cancer started him down a road of very rapid deterioration in his health. And this was in 2008 when the economy was collapsing and everybody's investments were falling apart all over the place. And we had invested in a deal together. We were partners. And we were going to have a partners meeting with about 10 of us uh, to discuss how it was that we were going to handle this particular deal. And now this guy... He was worth millions of dollars, and the amount of money that he was going to lose in this deal were like peanuts to him, just nominal. But two weeks before he dies, he gets into the board meeting with everybody, and you know he's trying to work out what it is he's going to do in order to still make money off of that investment, and he could barely speak. I got to tell you, two weeks before I die, I don't want to be doing business. I don't want to be so invested in building a treasure in this earth so that my dying moments are focused in on doing another deal or making money. I want to be so invested in my faith that at the end of the day, there is nothing else that matters to me in that moment than my family and my God. Just before my dad died last month, you know, he was laying in the hospital bed, and the, all of us siblings were around, and uh, uh, the topic of his finances came up. And he said, you know something? <laughs> I don't care one bit about any of that. He's like, I'm just done with all of it. I'm done with it. And I think that pretty much sums it up, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we're just done with it. When, when we are looking death in the face, that money is meaningless. The stuff that we've acquired is meaningless. All that stuff means nothing. And I think the question gets back to what are you investing your life in? At the end of the day, what will it have 
been about for you. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, wherever your investment is, there will your heart be also. And more than anything else, Jesus wants your heart. And he doesn't want a part of your heart. He wants the whole thing. Do you know how foreign this Christianity thing is to the rest of the world? To people who don't believe? I mean, the things that we believe in, the things that we strive for, is so absurd to people. This has to be like a cult to them. And, you know, because of my, because we have so much uh, investment firms that come and invest in our business and we're all in it personally, unfortunately, my personal financials um, have to be an open book. So it's pretty transparent. And there are times when I have uncomfortable, awkward conversations with other business people who look at my tax returns or something and they'll go, what is that about? And, you know, that, talk about my personal commitment to the church. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, why would you put that kind of money into a church? Why would you just throw that away? You work so hard for it and it, you, you have to work so hard to keep it. And now to give above and beyond to a Believe campaign, even beyond that, it's absurd. But my relationship with Jesus, it changes the way that I approach everything. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to people who don't believe. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's everything to me. And I think we all need to figure it out for ourselves. And I totally respect anybody who thinks through the Christian faith and decides not to be a believer. But have you really thought it through? Have you really taken a critical look at the facts and the Christian faith versus other world religions and other faiths? Have you really gone down, or atheism, have you really gone down the road and figured it out? Because I don't think it's my job to make you a Christian. It's my job to think through things, to help you think through things in a critical way that brings you to a place where you've made a decision once and for all about whatever it is that you're going to believe in. And I think that all of us have to finally get to a point that we're going to figure out what is it in this life that really matters beyond the daily grind what matters in this life and get on with it and invest our life fully in it, whatever that is for you. For me, it's the Christian faith and I can't imagine my life without Jesus. But for you, you have to make a decision about what that is. I've decided that whatever it is, whatever this stuff is that I have to give up in order to be a follower of Jesus is nothing compared to the life that I have in him. Because I've tried it. I've been a skeptic, I've walked away from it, I have questioned the Christian faith, and I have to tell you that Christianity is the only thing that makes any sense to me. And to have a life without Jesus, with no sense of purpose or meaning or hope, has zero appeal to me. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes to sacrifice to protect that faith that drives my life. 
And I think that what the Believe campaign has been for so many of us is an opportunity to come face to face with your belief and to challenge your faith to the point of risking something, sacrificing something, doing something that is meaningful for you. So at the end of this campaign, there will be no question that all of us have grown spiritually. Five years ago, uh, Amy and Olivia came to their first service at Westridge. Um, I was not a, a big believer in the church um, or going to church. Uh, I did believe in a higher power. I did believe in God, but I did not uh, even remotely understand what it meant uh, and what, he, what his sacrifices were for us. Amy and Olivia came home after attending their first um, service here, and all they talked about was the music and the message, and they convinced me uh, reluctantly to come to church. Prior to that, going to church was more of an obligation rather than something that we wanted to do. When we heard the message, it was like the pastor was speaking as if he was following me around. In fact, I, I even walked up to Pastor Darren afterwards and asked him, are you following me? Because he spoke from the heart. He spoke as, as one of us, not at us, but to us as part of us. Never had a message really connected as much as that particular message did. You know, we found ourselves holding hands and you know, really looking forward to going to church and wanting to attend every Sunday rather than feeling like we had to attend every Sunday. It, it reset us as a couple and, and reset us spiritually. And as a result, we started you know, wanting to give back through uh, involvement. Um, I started in Westridge Kids a couple of years ago and teaching the second and third grade and you started participating in the band a couple of years ago as well. And you know, just kind of a, one of the many ways that we can use our time and talents to give back. And not just giving back with our, with our time and talents, but giving back financially. Uh, we understand and, and we gave selfishly because we wanted to make sure uh, that this place that was so important to us, that reset us, that had us holding hands and, and just being in awe of each other and God and, and Jesus, that it stayed and it stayed strong. So we give weekly to the offering and, you know, and as part of, you know, just our commitment to Westridge and to uh, keeping the ministry alive. And, and allowing other people that, um, that really need this place, a place to come, um, so that they, can, they too can feel reset, they can feel loved, they can get whatever they need at the time. And that community is so important. When the Believe campaign rolled out a year ago, uh, we knew that we were going to be a part of that. Um, you know, this, the, the whole concept of restructuring the debt, making sure that there were police officers to get people in and out safely. It just it made sense to us, and we, we knew we were going to be part of that. But as we started, you know, thinking about it more and, and trusting our faith and trusting, you know, what God has given us, we uh, prayerfully considered uh, tripling our original pledge to the Believe campaign. We are re-signed up and recommitted for it, and what it's done for our faith um, and for each other is it's priceless. It's unbelievable how great it feels to give back to he that has given us so much and been so generous to us and you know regardless of what we pledge or what anybody else pledges I hope that everybody kind of gets that same like feeling and giving out of love and gratitude and not out of obligation. And what it's done for our faith has been absolutely amazing. So what uh, Glenn doesn't know is that I was following him around and those messages were about him. 
So, you know what, let me just tell you um, what inspires me the most about the Believe campaign. And it's primarily, you know, when, you, when you know, a church is doing a money thing, it's always met with, you know, confrontation or negativity or whatever. And the Believe campaign, there has not been one negative comment about it at all. And I think that when you hear stories like that of Glenn and Amy, who are just dear friends of mine, and you just understand that everybody who's been in it, and you hear story after story where it strengthens people's faith to the point that they have no regrets about what they've you know, contributed and what they've given, and it's caused all of us to step out in faith and fully invest ourselves in the stuff of God, and it inspires me in my own faith when I, when I see stuff like that. And every promise that we've made in this Believe campaign um, we've kept, including this one. But two years ago, when you made a commitment, you had no idea what your financial situation would be two years later, and we promised you this. But two years later, that on this particular Sunday, you could recommit a different amount than what you originally committed. So if your financial situation has changed and you want to reduce your commitment, you want to cancel your commitment, that's okay. And I, uh, I made this uh, offer in first service, so I guess I have to do it in second as well, that if anybody regrets having given to the Believe campaign, I, you come up and see me and I will personally write a check and give you your money back. Because we believe strongly that this thing is really about us growing our faith and not about getting your money. And I think that the same is true, though, that you know, no matter if, if two years ago you were at a different place in your relationship with God, and now you realize that the amount of money that you um, committed um, is not a meaningful amount of money for you, then I'd encourage you to give more and commit more and to step out in faith in that. That happened to Shelby and I in the last Recommitment Sunday. We, you know, we, we had done an original amount that we thought was a big number. And when we got through a year, we realized that was not a meaningful amount for us. And so we really needed to recommit. And so we doubled the amount of our commitment at the last recommitment Sunday because we just felt so blessed by everything that was going on. And if you're somebody who, you know, is new to Westridge and and you want to get in, we'd encourage you to make a commitment for this next year. And really, this is an opportunity for you to do that. So take a minute. Decide. So the recommitment card is in your program. There's pens in the seat in front of you. Take a minute and decide prayerfully what it is that you want to do in your, your commitment. And during this next song, and then I'm going to come back um, after this next song and lead us in a time of, of recommitment. But before I end, I just want to tell you a story that Jesus told that I think that sums things up perfectly. And he tells a little story in the book, also in the book of Matthew, and he says there was this guy who was out in a field. And he's doing this as a way to show that following God should not be out of a sense of obligation or out of a sense of guilt or that it's like this guy who's working in a field that he doesn't own. And as he's working in this field, he hits something and he realizes it's a buried treasure. And he pulls the box out of the ground and he opens it up and it is full of diamonds and jewels and everything beyond his wildest imagination and he knew one thing he had to have it and so he runs home to his wife and he says look we're putting the house in the market 
We're selling everything we have, do a garage sale, get rid of everything that we own. We're going to buy that field that I've been working in. And she says, honey, that field ain't worth that much. Why do you want that raggedy old piece of land? And he said, you'll see soon enough. Friends and family who heard he was selling everything to buy that field thought he had gone crazy and started making fun of him. But it didn't matter. He had to have it. It drove everything in his life because he had to have that treasure. So finally, after he had completed the sale of everything, he had sold everything that he had, he ran straight to that landowner and he offered him a ridiculous amount of money, all the money that he had for that field. And he bought it on the spot. And the first thing he did was to go out and dig up that box. And when he did, it revealed that there was this chest full of jewels and diamonds and great wealth. And everyone who saw it was amazed. And nobody thought him a fool again. Jesus says that treasure represents the kingdom of God. And when you finally get it, when you finally see that it's real, how rich it is, how abundant it is, more than anything else, you have to have it. And you give up everything just to get it. And the people around you, they don't understand it. And they might make fun of you. And at times, being a Christian can sometimes be embarrassing to say how committed you are. But Jesus promises you this. That on that day, when you stand before God, Jesus promises you that you will not regret it. And that you will know that it has all been so worth it. We hold on to the stuff of this world so tight. But at the end of our lives, what does it matter? What does any of it matter? Invest in something that's real. Invest in something that lasts beyond our lifetime. Invest in something that has meaning and purpose. Because I'd give up everything just to have that.